Father, we do rejoice, we sing, we shout, we just understand in our minds and in our hearts and our souls what an awesome and a great God you are. We thank you for who you are. And because you are the kind of God you are, that you would love us so much that you would send Jesus to not just be in this world at one time, to die for us and take on all of our guilt and all of our shame, to rise again and make new life possible, but that he would come every single day, every day, to be in the midst of whatever we face. That we have that reassurance that from now on, because he's alive, we face everything with him at our side. So we come to you today and we gather in this place and we know he is here. And we ask, let his spirit rest upon us. That we can be renewed, healed, forgiven, strengthened, and empowered. Be with us, Lord, in this time. According to your grace and your purposes, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat this morning. And uh, this morning, we uh, welcome to share a word with us this morning, uh, Pastor Andrew. And Pastor Andrew is a recent graduate from uh, Luther's Seminary, one of our seminaries, and uh, is also a candidate for uh, our associate pastor position here. So, Pastor Andrew, welcome. They're all yours. Be gentle. Be gentle. No, don't be. Uh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me to come and spend time with you, to worship with you, to be in the midst of God's people. I get excited on Sundays. I love Sunday. It's the best day of the week for me, and I'm, I'm thrilled and blessed to be here uh, with you this Sunday. So I'm excited to talk to you about some scripture that I've been really praying over and spending a lot of time in. Uh, I know that Christ Church is a biblically-based place, and that really resounds with me as well, and so I thought we would just kind of jump right in. So, are you okay jumping right in? We're going to dump, jump into the Word, and we're going to be looking at a particular passage this morning that comes out of the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke is one of the four Gospels. Gospels is the term that we use. It's a, it's a book that describes the life, the ministry, and the death of Jesus Christ as well as his resurrection. And so we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, which tells the story of Jesus, and we are going to be looking at a particular place way later in Luke, the, the 24th chapter. Okay, the 24th chapter, verses 13 through 35. If you've got a Bible, you want to crack it open to that. It's Luke 24, 13 through 35. And uh, what, what you need to know before we start to really dig in is kind of the context of, of what's happening with this particular scripture at this particular time. Jesus' life has already transpired. He has come into this world... He has ministered. He's done incredible miracles. He has multiplied fish and loaves. He has uh, proclaimed forgiveness. He's, he's done a lot of incredible stuff. I mean, truly incredible stuff. However, at this point in the scripture, he has also gone through the passion narrative, is what we call it. Christians call it the passion narrative. And that's kind of the Easter time, the Easter week. Jesus has done his, his ministry in life, and at this point that we're going to look at, he has also gone through the experience of dying on the cross. So this is after the cross. And even three days later, particularly, this scripture is three days after the cross. And does anyone know what happened three days after the cross? 
Anybody? Right? Yeah, as Christians, we believe that three days later, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, right? And so this is a particular scripture that is at a really interesting time. Because the disciples by now have seen Jesus, have spent time with him for three years, but have seen him die on the cross. They buried him. And now there are all these stories of Jesus coming back, floating around. Some, some women go to the tomb where Jesus was buried, and they, they, they say, we've seen angels, and, and his body is gone. And they come back and they tell the other disciples. And the disciples send more people out to go investigate. Another guy named Simon Peter. And he goes, and he doesn't find Jesus buried there either. And so the disciples are at a really interesting point in time in their life because it's really downright confusing. I mean, it's it's really confusing for the disciples right now because they had three years where they spent time with Jesus, where they learned from him, where they honestly got really excited about him. Excited at what he was preaching and teaching and what, what he might be. He might be the Messiah. And that's, that's pretty big in Jewish culture. The Jewish religion and faith is always waiting for a Messiah that's talked about in what we call the Old Testament. And um, they're kind of like, like Cubs fans. They're always thinking that this is going to be the year. It's, it, it's going to be this year. It's going to be this year. It's going to be this year. And it's a lot like that with the Jewish culture and faith at this time. They're waiting, they're anticipating, they're getting excited. But they have seen people come who said that they were the Messiah, and then things didn't pan out. Things didn't turn out the way that they were expecting. Particularly, they were waiting for a Messiah who would deliver them from the oppressive government power of Rome. The Jewish culture has been uh, regularly oppressed by various um, dominant empires in the ancient world. You had Rome. Before that, you had some Greeks. You had the Persians. You had the Babylonians. I mean, you get Egypt. You get the picture, right? I mean, so they're looking for a Messiah that's going to bring about political restoration with divine blessings. That's what they're waiting for. That's what they're hoping for, expecting. And so now Jesus comes along and they're looking at Jesus thinking, Hey, this is the year. This is the guy. He's going to deliver us from Rome. We're going to be our own nation state. Things are looking up. And yet, the same government that he was supposed to overthrow is the government that nailed him to the cross. So if you're a disciple, and you you think Jesus is the guy, and you see him die on a cross, would you be upset? I mean, would you be discouraged? Would you be confused? Of course. You'd be sad. You'd be bummed. You would be so overcome with the frustration of of not having things right, not understanding. It was supposed to work. It was supposed to be this way. He was supposed to be the guy, and now I don't get it. That's what the disciples are experiencing and feeling 
as we enter into the text. Okay, so all that is preface. Are you ready? Here we go. Now we're going to go into the text itself. There are two particular disciples who are so confused and distraught that they just, they just bail. They say this whole Jesus thing didn't pan out. We don't get it. So let's leave. And here's, here's where they are. Now, on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about the things that had happened. Trying to make sense of all that's happened. Trying to really understand life in light of the fact that Jesus died. Trying to make sense of life. Totally confused. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near. And he went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Interesting. And so Jesus said to them, What are you discussing with each other as you walk along? What's up? (laughs) What you talking about? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have taken place these past few days? I mean, don't you know what's been going on? You can hear that distraught nature. I, I, I have to think that Jesus smiled when he said this next line. He asked them, What things? And they replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in word and deed before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and the leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. we, We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, besides all of this, it's now the third day since all of this took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning. And, and when they did not find his body there, they came back. They told us about it. And they, they said they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb. They found it just as the women had said. But they did not see him. We're going to pause there for a moment because I want to kind of discuss what we've seen. Can you, can you hear? Can you hear and can you see the confusion, the sadness, the way in which the disciples are looking at life, trying to figure it out, talking about it, discussing it with one another and saying, what happened? I don't get this. I don't understand I thought this was what God wanted. I thought that God was in the midst of all of this. I thought that this this guy was supposed to redeem Israel. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I hope you can empathize with that. Perhaps you've had experience in life of your own where you're looking at life and you you think, "This, this wasn't the way it was supposed to be. I mean, I thought that it was supposed to be like this. I, I don't get it. Why, why didn't it turn out? Why didn't things pan out? 
Why did the adoption fall through? Why isn't my marriage what I thought it would be? I don't get it. I don't get how come I just got laid off as I'm just coming close to retirement. Life isn't making sense, and I don't see or feel God anywhere in this. If you've ever been there, that's where the disciples are. Where life doesn't make sense, and you don't get it. I want you also to notice the irony in this. Do you see the irony that's just this text is riddled with it? I mean, first off, one of the guys actually asks him, you know, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know what's taken place these past few days? For us as readers, that's, that's a laughable statement. That's funny. You have a disciple talking to who? Yeah, he's talking to Jesus. And he's asking him, you know, do you know what's taking place about this Jesus fellow? Of everyone in the world, who has the most clear picture of what has happened in the past few days. Of everyone in the world who has the most real understanding of what it was like to go through a false trial, to be condemned by chief priests and leaders. Of, of everyone in the world in that moment who has the best idea of what it's like to hang on a cross, to suffer, and to die. Of everyone in that world who has, the best, who has the best reality or knowledge or understanding of the depth of what took place in the past few days? Jesus. Who are they talking to? Jesus. They don't know if he is Jesus. They are blinded from recognizing him. It was really interesting. Uh, really interesting, right? I mean, these guys traveled with him. They spent time with him. They ate with him. They, they walked and talked with him. And now, all of a sudden, they cannot see him. They seem to be blinded. Uh, the text does not tell us whether that's intentional, if Jesus is hiding himself, or if simply they cannot, cannot recognize him. Um, I wonder if it's got a lot to do with tunnel vision and, and assumptions. I would not expect, after seeing Jesus die to have Jesus come walking up to me. I mean, that, that wouldn't make sense. I wouldn't understand that. I wouldn't get that. This whole back from the dead thing, I don't, I don't really fully understand that. I believe it. I can tell you that. I believe it. But if you're asking me how it physiologically is going to work, biologically, how, he's, you know, how the particles come together and how the heart starts again, I don't necessarily, I, I, I can't explain that to you. I don't get that but I believe it. Here you have disciples who don't get it and at this point in time don't even believe it that Jesus is back from the dead. 
when I think about these disciples and, and trying to understand them and trying to sum them up, if you will, they're two people who are confused, who are sad, as the text says. They're confused and they're sad because they don't understand. They don't get it. And when I think about my own life, there are a lot of times in life when I look at my own life and I am confused and I am sad and I don't get it. I don't understand where God is, what's taking place. Maybe you too have been in that similar circumstance. Well, what happens? Jesus comes to them and he's having this exchange with them. And then they reach a point where he says, Oh, how foolish you are, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in the scriptures. As they came near to a village to which they were going, Emmaus, he walked ahead as if he was going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it's almost evening. The day is now almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread, he blessed and broke it, and he gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and they returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed. He's appeared to Simon. And then they told them what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. As confusing and frustrating as life can be, The good news this morning is that you don't have to have it all figured out to experience the risen Jesus Christ. You don't have to understand perfectly this whole Christian thing. You don't have to have a perfect life. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to understand. You don't have to have all the right answers in order to have an experience with the risen Jesus Christ. Jesus came to the disciples where they were at on their journey. Jesus came to them, walked beside them, was there engaged in their life and in conversation with them. And they didn't even recognize Him. They didn't even know that God was present there with them. And yet he was. I find great comfort in this. I hope you do too. The knowledge that you you don't have to understand life or make sense of all of life in order to be in relationship with Jesus. 
that even when you're in circumstances or situations you don't understand, that Jesus Christ comes to you, that he walks with you, that he is opening up your eyes, he is, he is speaking to you. He's there with you even when you don't see him. I can remember an experience that I had at, uh, uh, as a chaplain. I was a chaplain. Part of the educational process is to become a chaplain for, for a period of time. So I was a chaplain over the past couple of years. And I remember my first time as a chaplain b- being at the hospital and being in the elevator and clicking the button and thinking, what am I doing? Why am I here? This doesn't make any sense. I mean, this, uh, what, what's... What am I doing? I can't do this. What's going on? I was confused. I was sad. I've never talked to someone who's dying before in front of me like this. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to... I was confused. And I was upset. And to be perfectly honest with you, I remember standing in that elevator and thinking, God, where are you in this? Where are you right now? And as I got off the elevator, and I walked in the room, and I sat down, and I began to have a conversation with this person. It's great. Your, your stereotypical little old lady. She blessed me with great conversation. And after spending time with her, my eyes were opened to the reality that Jesus Christ walked with me off that elevator into that room. And he was there with me, teaching me, coaching me, loving me. For me, that is good news. That I don't have to have it all together in order to know that Jesus Christ walks with me. You see, Jesus Christ is coming to you. Jesus Christ walks alongside you. Whatever road you're on, whatever Emmaus you're heading towards, at a time in life where you are confused and upset and it doesn't make sense, and you look around and you're saying, I don't get this, God, where are you? You can't even see him as present in your life. This story teaches us Jesus Christ is with you. Jesus Christ is with you. He is opening himself up to you and he is opening you up to himself constantly. I think this is one of the reasons that I like church so much. I come to church, and one of the big things I like about coming to church is digging in Scripture because, I mean, here you find a story where they experience Jesus in the Scriptures. He, he opens the Scriptures to, to them. And we do that here. We, we go into the Scriptures like we are right now. And Jesus Christ speaks to us from them. He, he says, I'm here with you. I'm present with you. I am here in this room. 
And to make sure that we get the message, I mean, to really make sure that we get the message, do you notice he also breaks bread? He goes with them so long, he stays with them so long, that he, he, he dwells with them over a meal. And he takes the bread, and he blesses it, and he breaks it. And in that experience, their eyes are opened, and they realize Jesus is here. Despite my confusion, despite the circumstances in my life, despite all that tells me, all the fact that I, I can't see God at work, I can see him in this. In the same way, I believe this morning that Jesus Christ is present with you in these gifts of bread and wine. That's good news. That is good news. My prayer for you in your your days and your weeks ahead is as you travel through those experiences that are confusing and frustrating, when you have a moment where you have to stop and look at yourself and your life and say, "I I don't get this, God. I don't see you. I don't feel you. When you're in those moments... I pray that you would remember this story and that you would know Jesus Christ walks with you even when you don't see him. He is there loving you, speaking to you, redeeming you. Perhaps the most beautiful part of this entire passage is that the disciples say, we thought this was the man who would redeem Israel. Guess what? He was. (laughs) They didn't get it. They didn't know it. But he did. He redeemed Israel. He redeemed those two disciples. He has redeemed all the world. He has redeemed me. And he has redeemed you. This is the risen Lord who walks with you. And so may you walk into your week ahead in his company. Would you please pray with me? Merciful Jesus, thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you have entered into our world and into our lives. Thank you that you meet us on whatever road we're traveling, that you meet us despite the confusion and the frustrations, despite the fact that we just don't always get life. Thank you that you are with us, loving us, redeeming us. It's in your presence and in that redemption we trust. Amen.